After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he had done on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover feast, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, speaking of Jesus, he said, Jesus said to prove him, meaning Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks to the disciples, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, And filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, said, This this is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. Father, we're thankful this morning for the privilege of being in this place. Father, what our eyes have seen, our hearts have felt, our ears have heard, we thank you, Lord, for the many different blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Thank you for the outgathering of this good number, and we praise you, Lord, for your undeniable presence in this place. And I pray today, God, that, that Lord, that you would just set aside this little lump of clay and do a work, God, and in spite of it, Father, that only you can do through your word to edify your people, to convince the lost of their need of Jesus, but above all things, to bring glory and honor to your name. Father, I pray that you would refresh in my mind, loosen my tongue, and help me to set forth this message that I believe you have given to me, to this people in this hour, and whatever's accomplished, God will be sure. Give you the praise, the glory for it all, if we ask it, in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. I want to draw our attention for just a moment of time back to the beginning of verse 9 and listen to what the Word of God says. It's simple. Everybody can understand it. There is no great doctrinal truths or theological uh, words in this. It just simply says simply this, there is a lad here. I'm going to talk to you today for just a few moments about this, I've got a title, and as I've had subtitles for all the other messages so far this year, I've got one for this one this morning, doing what the little lad is, just giving Jesus what you've got. Just giving Jesus 
what you got. As we step into this chapter, Finn, I want you to know that it is a great chapter. It's, it is probably the greatest chapter in the Word of God on the bread of life. On Jesus, who is the living bread coming down out of heaven so that He might, friend, listen, give you that which will satisfy your life. If you remember, Jesus was born in the house of bread, that is Bethlehem. He was wrapped by His uh, virgin mother Mary uh, in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. Listen, friend, He is here to give you life, and not just physical life. He's already blessed you with that, but He has come to give you life, eternal and life, more abundantly, but you've got to take Him. You've got to trust Him. And I don't care what you search for just I, I, I'm an old Hee Haw fan anybody else remember Hee Haw you know I, I like that part of it these two guys standing there bibbed over holes one's got the pitchfork and they're singing their little ditty I searched the world over and thought I found true love you met another and you were gone love that you know what? I don't care where you've been in the world. I don't care what you've tried up to this point, friend. You've found nothing that'll satisfy. Let me encourage you to take Jesus and He'll satisfy you completely today. He'll meet your need. So this chapter is a great chapter. I mean to tell you, let me tell you what the setting of it is. Here Jesus, friend, like every other male in the nation of Israel was on his way to Jerusalem. You say, why, preacher? Well, the Bible tells us down here in our text in verse 4 that the feast of the Passover was nigh at hand. They lived up north in, in, the, in the nation of Israel, in the Galilee area. In fact, uh, uh, Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus' headquarters. And 80, something like 80% of the miracles that he performed while he walked planet earth as a man, but God manifested in the flesh. He performed his miracles there. But three times the Word of God commands all the males of Israel to go to Jerusalem to gather at that time the, ta uh, the temple uh, to worship Him. And Jesus, along with this multitude, were heading that way. Here they were gathered together on the blue, on the shores of the blue sea of Galilee. And we don't know exactly the spot of this place. We've been to the traditional spot many times and thank God it's a beautiful place to go. But you know what? This chapter, friend, contains maybe the most amazing miracle that he is that, that Jesus did. You say, why do you say that? Well, I'm just only going uh, from what I see in the Word of God. Jesus opened blinded eyes. That's amazing. Nobody but uh, the Yeshua HaMashiach or the Messiah or the Promised One could do that. It was prophesied that way in the book of Isaiah. He raised the dead. Pretty amazing. Uh, was it not that uh, Jesus could bring back to life somebody who had already died? Hey, He could, he could, he could straighten withered hands. He could uh, heal deaf ears loosen uh, tied up tongues but I'll tell you according to Matthew Mark Luke and John and the inspiration of the spirit hey this miracle could be the greatest of all you say why it's recorded in all four 
gospel accounts. Isn't that amazing? It's recorded in the book of Matthew chapter 14, Mark uh, chapter 6, Luke. Where is it at in Luke? Let me be reminded real quick. Chapter 9 and here in chapter 6 of the book of John's gospel. Jesus, friend, fed a a crowd of 5,000, not counting the women and children that were there, which possibly, probably took it up as much as 15,000. And from that, a great discourse was the result. And we're going to get into the discourse. But you say, you say, why this miracle preacher? Well, turn, if you will, to the book, in the book of John chapter 20. Those of you that are Bible readers know what I'm going to get. John, when he wrote this gospel, when he gave us his account of the life of Jesus Christ. It's not a complete biography, by the way. It's just an account of the life of Jesus Christ while he was on planet Earth. When John wrote it, he picked out seven signs. John used the word sign. The other gospel writers used the word miracle. But listen what John said in verse 30 and 31. He said many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in the book. He said, but these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Listen to me, sinner friend. If you came in here lost and undone, dying and on your way to a crisis eternity, you came to the right place. I'm here to tell you, friend, by faith you can be saved and get the assurance that when this life is over, you'll be in a place that Jesus has gone to prepare. And he made it available to whosoever will. Now you could go in some churches in this, in this county, in this valley, and you won't hear preachers preach that you can be saved. But we're here at Roxalana to tell you that Jesus so loved us that he gave, uh, that he gave his life's blood for the whosoever wills of this world. And if you'll admit that you're lost, and if you'll come, friend, listen, with a broken spirit and a broken heart that you've sinned against God, and if you'll repent and receive Christ by faith, He'll save you in an instant of time, make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. So He wrote this miracle about multiplication so that you could hear it, be convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and become your Savior if you'll just put your trust in Him. So look, as we begin to look at this, we come to understand that there are different reasons as to why people follow Jesus. At this time, he had been in his public ministry somewhere around two, two and a half years. At this point of time, that means he was about a year away from the cross of Calvary, dying for my sins, your sins, and the sins of all the world. And here he was at Galilee with the multitude following him. He was real popular. But let me ask you something. Why did you come here? If you're lost and undone, if you're saved, why do you come here? Can I tell you, we've all got different reasons. There were some, the Word of God says this in verse 2, and a great multitude followed him because he, they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Can I tell you, Jesus did the miracles that he did so that the people could hear the words that he preached and believe the message that was in his words and be saved because they believed. 
somebody else was following Jesus. Look, if you will, deeper in that chapter in verse 26. Jesus knows our heart, by the way. Somebody say amen. I can prove that to you in John's gospel, the last two verses of chapter 2. But listen to what the Word of God said. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus says, look, there's two different kinds of people here. People that saw the miracles. They're, um, they're caught up with something, wanting to see something. And they follow me and other people. They're here because they ate of the bread and are filled. Hey, listen, friend, regardless of your reason, if it gets you to the place where you accept Christ as your Savior, I'm just glad you're here. Now you say, preacher, if y'all aren't eating this morning, no, we're going to tonight, so come back. Amen. Come back. But now there was a problem on this day. Listen to what the Word of God says. And Jesus went up into the mountain. There he sat with his disciples. And the Passover feast of the Jew was nigh at hand. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? According to what I've read in the Word of God, the day was growing on. The day was almost far spent and there was a multitude of people uh, that had gathered around Jesus that were willing to listen to what he had to say. And Jesus, the Bible said, one of the other gospel writers, when he looked at them, the Bible said he had compassion on them. And he said he looked at them as a, as a, as a group of sheep that had no shepherd. You know what? Listen to me. You know why Jesus left glory? He knew you had a need. He knew I had a need. He knew that you and I were condemned uh, by, by a judgment of God uh, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, our parents. When they sinned, we sinned. And when God pronounced death upon them and put condemnation upon them, hey, Jesus knew that that meant me and you. So one day in an eternity past, Jesus laid down his royal robes of glory, entered into the stream of humanity, lived among men sinlessly 33 and a half years, died substitutionally for whosoever will. That means me and you on an old rugged cross at Calvary took our sins, my sins, your sins, and the sins of all the world. He died, friend, suffered our death, suffered our separation from God, was buried in a borrowed tomb, but that doesn't, the story doesn't end there. On the third and appointed morning, he came out from among the dead. And you know what, friend? He lives so that you and I can. So that you so the problem was there was a group of people, friend, that had a need. And let me tell you what they had. All of them. Didn't matter how old, how young, how educated, ignorant, how rich, how poor. They all had a need. Do you know what that was? They needed something to eat. That, that's pretty simple. But can I tell you, all of us that were born of Adam's race, we all had a need. And you know what that is? That's a need to be saved. We needed a Savior and God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Now we say with no apologies here, there's only one way to heaven. You'll hear some of the strangest stuff in this day uh, and age that you ever want to hear. 
You, you, you listen, friend. There are people confused about uh, how to get to heaven. There are people even so confused they say the God of Islam is the God of Christianity. Hey, I'm going to use simple Boone County language. That just ain't right. There's only one true God. And listen, friend, He's the way, the truth, and the life. And He manifested Himself in, a, in this world through a man to the name of Jesus. And He'll save. He came to save. But now let's look at a couple of things in this. There was one problem. And we see at least three, and there may be four solutions in this. And it kind of depicts us all. I mean, listen, friend, let me tell you the truth. Everybody can't be right. There's no good news until you realize there's bad news. Jesus said, not me, but Jesus said, and He's our authority. We've got it in this book. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd that giveth His life for the sheep. And I could go on and on. He's the water of life. He's the bread of life. There was a problem. Everybody was hungry. And, and, and here are the solutions. If you read in this, and, and I'm going to pick the first one up. It's not mentioned here before Philip. But you'll see in the book of, of, of Mark chapter 6, long about verse 36, 7, 8, somewhere through there. When the disciples saw all of those followers of Christ come, Jesus kind of looked at him, and I know it says he picked on Philip, said, what are we going to do? You know what the disciples said? They said what a lot of church people do, a lot of board members. Well, let's just send them away. Did y'all hear that? Easiest way a lot of times for a church, they think, to handle a problem is to do nothing about it. Just send them away. Y'all too quiet on that to make me feel comfortable. I mean, they offered something that they ought to have felt guilty about. By this time, they should have known that Jesus could do the impossible. Can I tell you, friend, listen, saying we're not going to do anything with this problem isn't the easiest way. It may cost you to pray. It may stretch you. It may cause you to do things that you don't normally do, like get out of your comfort zone. Listen, everybody listen right now, say amen. If you're saved and a part of this church or any other church, listen, Jesus sends us things our way, not to send them away, but to learn to do something, to write something with them. Still don't have y'all convinced on that point, do I? Look at the next one. Philip answered him when Jesus said, what are we going to do, Philip? Philip said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll reason this out. Philip went from doing nothing to saying we won't do anything to Philip said, well, are y'all with this? We'll think about it. I wish I could remember right now the definition of a committee. It's a good definition and I can't tell you how much I wish I could remember that definition. Well, if it comes back to you, I'll give it, give it to you. But, but Peter began to reason things out. Peter now, listen, he was realistic. He, he, he thought like a lot of people doing this age. Jesus said, so what are you going to do, Philip? Philip said, so I'll tell you what. I've been counting numbers. I've got my slide rule out. 
A lot of kids have no idea what a slide rule is. I've got my iPhone out and I've got uh, my calculator up here. I'm doing the numbers thing. I'm going to say, Jesus, that even if we had 200 penny worth of bread, it wouldn't be enough for everybody to get but just a little. You know what Philip was saying? Well, we need to figure out how much money it'll cost and raise enough money to take care of the need. Are y'all getting this at all? I mean, I mean, look, money is necessary in a church. This facility that we're setting in, we had to do a lot of praying, a lot of figuring. And now we're doing a lot of paying. But God has been so faithful, I'm not against that. Don't, don't take me wrong. There is a time and a place, the Bible says, for all things. But here Philip was standing face to face with Jesus. And, and, and Jesus was trying to get him away from the physical into the spiritual way of thinking and living. And old Philip said, well, said, if we just had enough money, we could make something happen. Can I tell you all, there are a lot of churches that are market-driven churches. But you know what? We want to be here at Roxolana. We want to be a spirit-led church. We want to be the kind of the church, friend, listen, that we seek to glorify God, seek to edify as people. And, P- and Philip said, 200 penny worse, 200 day wages, that won't be enough to give them just, listen, just a little. Hey, I want you all to know something. God wants you to not just get a little, but He wants you to get the whole thing. He wants you, if you're lost or if you're saved today, and depending on what you'll do with what you have, you'll you'll go that way. He wants to send you away, not with just a little, uh, but filled up and running over, uh, pressed down and shaken. He wants you to leave saying, boy, I'm glad I was the house of God today. And Then I like the next, look at verses 8 and 9. I like what... Andrew, Philip's brother, had to say. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Philip, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves, two small fishes. And look at his question. He was honest, but what are they among so many? Now here's what I like about Andrew. He brought somebody to Jesus. In fact, Andrew was always bringing somebody to Jesus. I want to ask you something. You ever wonder how Andrew found this little fella? Now we're talking about 5,000 men there, among women and children, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that he wouldn't have stood out really in the crowd but somewhere or another, listen, when God's working, He'll see people brought together that He needs to bring together. I'm going to tell you all again, if you come here lost, I believe God led you here this, this day. You already know I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. I could have consigned to that before you ever heard me. But I preach the greatest message that there is in the world. I preach salvation by grace through faith. 
And Philip, I've wondered how how he found that little lad there, how that they got together. But the Bible said without a question, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But whatever the case, Andrew found him and knew about him. Now, trying to illustrate this, I don't think this lad had a big backpack on his back. I don't believe that it was so full. It was kind of, you know, kind of making him slouch over. Don't, Don't believe that. Look, all this little lad had was a little snack. It was a little lunch that mama made him before he lit out on his day's activities that day. I don't know whether she knew he was going to see Jesus and hear about this man from... Uh, from from uh, uh, Galilee, I have no idea. But you ever wonder about his mother? And you ever wonder why nobody else's mother sent a snack with their children? Do you all ever have questions like this when you're reading the Bible, trying to figure things out? I mean, if I read this in the way that I'm made to uh, read it, there was nobody there that day with anything else but one little lad and one little lunch. Let me give you the application I'm going to make on that. This place could be plumb full today. How many can we hold? 239? 339? Somewhere 400 in here? Listen to me. Please listen. I don't care if every seat in this place was filled up, and I wish it were. I I wish there wasn't, wasn't anything but standing room only. But can I tell you, if you come in your lost, save sir, save man, listen, the only one God would be concerned about is you. You and your need. You may have a need. You may have a need. And that's all God's concerned about is meeting your need. Well, I hope I got that to where it makes sense. I don't care if you're in a multitude, God knows you. God knows your heart. God knows your need. God knows your fear. God knows your past. God knows your present. God knows your destiny. God knows you, and He wants to meet your need. Thank God for that mother, friend, that sent that little boy along his way with a little snack in his pack. Maybe he did have a backpack. I don't know. And I don't know what Philip was thinking. I mean, here's this little fella with this little lunch. But I'd like to think to some degree or another, Philip figured. It's not much, but it'll be, it'll be something if I can get it to Jesus. Now, do you ever think about the little lad? And we're probably getting into the message, right? Do you ever think about him? Let me ask you all. Everybody in here that's adult right now, when you were a little kid, along about 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 22, would you have been voted Mr. or Mrs. Congeniality? Were you known as giving the next door neighbor your favorite toy? Were you known as the, the kid in the neighborhood that was willing to give away anything and everything everybody else's neighbor wanted. Listen, friend, if I know anything about the human nature, that's mine. There are certain things you don't have to teach children. Do you all know that? And when you get married, brothers, 
If you work and your wife works, she'll tell you this. What you make is mine and what I make is mine. I got a little help by a couple men. The rest of you are just afraid. And for you ladies that may not know me, I said that tongue in cheek. Maybe. I'll get you to laugh somewhere or another. But did you ever think about him? Did you ever think about him giving? I mean, did he know something about? See, I look forward to seeing these kind of people in heaven. I, I want to see that little maid that testified. Uh, if only they knew about, about my God in Israel and about that man by the name of Elijah. Listen, it made a difference in the life of a man by the name of Naaman. I want to meet these kind of people. They seem to be in the background, but, but, but God mentions them in the Word of God. I wonder if he had a hard time letting it go. Or is his childlike faith a lesson that God wants you and I to get today? I like what Steve said in his testimony. I like what the other one said in their testimonies about maybe not being raised in a church. Can I testify a minute? Doug and I were raised in church, like, like I've said, and I've heard him say, we had, a, we had a drug issue when we were kids. We were drugged to church. But let me tell you something. I don't care who you all were that didn't know Jesus. I needed to be saved as bad as you all did. I didn't know much about the Lamb of God. I just heard about Him. I, just, I, I, I was just as lost and undone as anybody else. And friend, listen, we all get saved the same way, and I know you know that. But this little child, friend, that's what this message is is about, about doing what the little lad did. And that's just simply giving all that you've got to the Lord. And you say, preacher, all I've got is my broken life, my broken heart, my broken spirit. And he said, listen, if you'll bring that, I'll know why I've cast you out. I'm a poor preacher, so I've got poor illustrations. The reason Humpty Dumpty could never get put back together again, he went to the wrong king. All the king's men, all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty back together again. You come to the king of kings, and friend, he'll take your life, put your heart together, it together. Listen, friend, he'll give you a future that's out of this world. Now let me tell you all something, not all your problems will come to their end. The seeds of sin you've sown, you'll still have to deal with them in the future. But let me, let me rest, help you rest assured, He'll forgive you of all of them. He'll make you a new creature in Christ. Listen, friend, He'll make you something that you've always wanted to be. But you've got to do what the little lad did. You've got to do what this little lad did. But He gave it all to Jesus. What, let me ask you all something. If you're saved, you've got issues. You've got problems. Maybe you've got a besetting sin that the Word of God talks about. You don't want anybody to know about it. You don't like to uh, think about it, but you've got to deal with it every so often. I'm talking to you. And there are people here that are sinners. I've witnessed to enough sinners, talked to them over the years. I've heard people say, oh, preacher, if I'd go into church, a roof would fall. No, it won't. I know what's in this building. It's standing up really good. We're glad you're here. And if you come to the altar and get saved, I'll guarantee you something will fall, but it won't be the roof. But you've got to be willing to give it away. got to be willing to get it away. How many of us this morning are so unlike this little lad? 
There are times that we that are saved, we get caught up in, 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 in what we don't have. I mean, I mean, what if you'd have been that little fella? Andrew, come and say, uh, son, I see you got those fish and loaves. Could I have them to take them to Jesus? What would you have said? Well, they're, they're not much. That, that, but you, nobody can do anything with these. Right, who would want this little thing? Hey, a man by the name of Jesus will take what you give him. If possible, he'll use it for his glory and your good. How many of you would like to have a name, an unnamed name, but he's mentioned in the Bible? I'll tell you what, there's a good way. Just simply give to Jesus this morning what you brought. Isn't that the way we think? We get caught up in what we don't have. Well, it, it, it's not loaves. It's just little pieces of, of bread. We, these aren't big Peter fish like, like they fish for every night. These are things like sardines. You don't want them. Can I tell you, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you'll come to Him and give Him whatever you've got, you'll take away more than what you ever imagined. I'll guarantee you that according to the Word of God. You see, we get caught up in in complaining instead of offering thanksgiving for what we have. Hey, listen, friend. While we look at our past and, and our limits... Um, we need to take our stuff to the, uh, to the one who can take what we have and do limitless things with them. See, it's one thing for me and you to know our limits. One thing for me and you to know our problems. But I'll tell you what, it's another thing to get to know Jesus, who with Him nothing is impossible. I'm tempted to ask this, and I don't want anybody to respond, but I'll be back in the Welcome Center after church, and and if this is true to your life, I, I sincerely want to meet you. You come by and tell me that you've never had a problem in your life, or you don't have one now. I'd like to meet that man or woman. You see, I read in my Bible that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Boast not thyself, the word of God says, against tomorrow, for thou knowest not the things that a day may bring forth. I don't know what you got, but I know what you need. And it's really in reality not a what, but it's a who. And his name is Jesus. Could I give you something to think about, which I believe is true? Let me ask, I'll ask you instead of make a statement. Do you all believe Jesus knew to, needed this little boy's lunch to perform a miracle that day? Not at all. I believe it just the way the Word of God says. Now, if you go to certain seminaries and listen to certain preachers and, and so-called teachers in those seminaries, they've got a different version of how Jesus uh, fulfilled this need of 5,000 men, let alone the women and children. They say that he had the apostles to take care of this and in that place there was a cave and they would put a bunch of of bread and fish in it and what Jesus did when when he found out that they needed meat was he backed up to the cave and somebody handed him stuff and he handed out the disciples and 
they took it out and gave to the people. Y'all know what? I got a, I got a Greek, good Greek word for that, baloney. I mean, I mean, I can. I, it's amazing some of the things that, that I've read about what people think happened trying to explain away the word. You know what I believe? I believe on that little hillside in Galilee by the lake of Tiberias, Gennesaret or Galilee, there was a crowd of people in a place where it was grassy. It was late in the day. They were hungry. And Jesus took fish and loaves of a little lad, blessed them and broke them and fed a multitude. Isn't that amazing? And boy, his humanity is seen here so clearly, but that's another message. And you know what he did? He met everybody's need that was hungry that day to the full. Nobody left there with a hunger pain that wanted to eat. And so, listen, plenty... Was, and so able was Jesus to meet the needs, they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments, leftovers. I preached out of this one, one time. I don't know where I was at. I don't believe I've ever been back to that church. I don't think I've ever asked me back. And I don't know why when I preached out of this, I know the text, I was preaching on clean up your mess. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I preached. It must not have been too, too warm. You say, what are you saying that for, preacher? I'm saying, listen, God's got what you need and more. If you come lost, you can leave here, listen, with more than you ever imagined. You, you, if, you're, if you're lost, the devil was saying something in your heart right about now, like something like, well, you don't deserve it. I'll say amen. I have never in my 69 years of living never met a man, woman, boy or girl that deserved to be saved. But I met a bunch of them that needed to be. And you're looking at number one right here. Christ doesn't save us because we deserve it. Christ saves us because we need to be saved. But you know what Jesus did? He took that lunch and he did something mighty with it. And Jesus used the disciples that allowed him. And I believe all 12 were active in this. I'm getting ready to close. I'm going to lift a couple things up in doing it. That day, that little lad friend gave something I think was more important than his lunch. You know what he gave? He gave his faith. Now that, that, listen, that fish and loaves, they, they represented something. I mean, honestly, folks, I can, I can see myself saying at that age, what do you mean give, I, I don't have anything to eat, that means I'll go home hungry. I, I care about everybody else, I'm worried about me. I mean, look. That's our nature, and if we forget it, the altar praying. You may not have the same kind of uh, problems with the fallen nature that I have, but I'm just being honest where you won't be. I was praying at the altar one time after I'd been saved. And I was sincere, but boy, I was praying. I was praying, boy, you know, on my high horse, and I was in a good spiritual place, and I said, Lord, you keep me humble. And I heard the Spirit of God speak to my heart and say, Dude, 
You don't need to pray that prayer. What you need to pray is make me humble. There's not too many of us that are naturally humble. Men and women of humility. That's not our nature. It's not, but I learned something valuable right then at that day. This little lad gave something more important than the fish and the loaves and he gave his faith. He put his faith in Jesus that he, if he gave him what he had, Jesus could do the right thing with it. Now look, you say, preacher, getting saved can't be as easy as you're trying to make it out to be. So all I got to do is tell Jesus I'm a sinner, tell, tell Jesus I believe he came to save sinners, and if I put my faith in him, I can be saved. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Matter of fact, you can't be saved any other way, sir or ma'am. No work that you do, no promise that you could make, all you need to do is give him what he has given you, and you say, my faith isn't big. It's not the amount of faith that you have. It's a fact that you deposit what faith you have in Jesus. It's not what you have, but where you deposit it is what makes all the difference. You see, he believed that Jesus had the ability to do something with what he had if he would just give it up. He realized that it didn't need to be, be a big thing. He just realized that he just needed to give to Jesus what he had. You say, preacher... I come to the altar, if I get saved sitting here in my seat, repent of my sin, do I have to tell Jesus all my sins? No. But you need to admit you're a sinner. You need to be broken over them. You need to have some sorrow in your heart that you are a sinner, that you've hurt God, that you've caused God uh, to send His Son to die for you. And the disciples, you know what? The disciples... Help make this happen. They were willing to serve. What's all God wants is a willing heart. Do you know that? I mean, they, they, they had to learn that although they didn't have much, they didn't have anything actually. All they had to do was make sure they went to Jesus, get something from Him, and take it to the people that had a need. That's all we're doing this morning, friend. I never forget as a young preacher. Come on, Bev, wherever you're at, whoever's going to lead the singing, Jerry. I never will forget as a young preacher, a young Christian, I was trying to figure this, quote, soul winning out, this witnessing thing. And I don't remember now whether I read a message or heard a message, but what I heard stuck with me. When I didn't know at that time the Romans wrote a salvation, when I couldn't have strung together four verses of Scripture out of the Word of God to try to convince somebody that they needed to be saved and how to know for sure they could be. Somebody told me, preacher, to witness or son. He didn't, I wasn't preaching them. They said, son, witnessing is as simple as one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. How true that is. So today, I hope it's not like it was in that day. You say, what do you mean, preacher? That day ended when it was all over. There were some people that just didn't get it. Matter of fact, when you read on down through this chapter, Jesus took this miracle, took this opportunity to preach, like I told you, the greatest discourse, the greatest message on Jesus being the bread of life we have in the Word of God. And 
Jesus said in that sermon, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. They were talking about physical things. They thought he was talking about physical, eating him like, like, like carnivorous. That's not what he's talking about. He was trying to bring them out of the physical into the spiritual. And when they heard that, the Bible says, out of this multitude, many went back and followed him no more. So great was the exodus that Jesus looked at the twelve apostles that he had chosen after he prayed all night and said, will you go away also? And Peter spoke up and stepped up and said, to whom, Lord, shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Sir, ma'am, I, I don't know you. The Bible said some followed him because they saw the miracles and after they ate and were filled, they didn't get the message. They just did not get the message of what was going on. I hope you got it this morning. I don't know what you brought, and we all brought something. This is a message for, for everybody, anybody and everybody. 